All right, Snoopy. Here, there's your alligator. Good baby. Enjoy it, because we got to travel tomorrow. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute, because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. That's right, it's Unbothered by Ty Rivera. I am your host, Ty Rivera, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. Snoopy Bijou, my co-host, is currently enjoying a Whimsy's Alligator. Whimsy's Alligators, the never-to-be-sponsor of Unbothered by Ty Rivera, but we still give them a shout-out, and we still put our Amazon affiliates link for Whimsy's Alligators down below in the box, description box, to be specific, in case you didn't know. Also, still going strong with Carla's homemade salsa. I swear it gets better every batch, and I've had plenty of batches at this point. Right now, she's doing a special, I believe it's a 32-ounce. It's like a bigger jar, and it's like... You get your money's worth. I think it's $20 for this. It's a special unbothered edition. If you're unbothered by your consumption of salsa, then this is the one for you. And believe me, I got a couple of the jars, official sponsor, you know. Uh, So I got a couple of the jars, and I am so happy that I have that. That's really going to help me out. But what's really going on in life and when it comes to Carla's that link will be down below in the description box as well so check out Carla's homemade salsa tell her I sent you hit her up Instagram hit her up um Anthony Victorson's texting me that's my actual homie right there between him and Claire Holly I really like those two and I know I shout them out almost every episode but I really do like them you know and I think they're both talented because I don't really want to hang out with anybody that I don't feel is talented when it comes to stand-up anymore I mean like I'll be cordial with everybody or as many people as I'm cordial with and I'll be cool but I really don't want to hang out with people that I feel like I have to humor at this point you know I I feel like I've grown past that I'm also starting to go out a bit less but I've also been on the road a bit more so we'll see what happens once everything starts going again I know I'll continue to go to control collective but Thursdays and Sundays are both work days right now for stand-up so when I'm on the road I can't be a control collective even though I really do like that mic and I try to coach the comics a little bit the ones that want it if they don't want it I'm fine with them not listening to me or I don't even bug people that don't want to listen to me but most of the comics there are pretty receptive to it it's a true open mic so when you're at a true open mic you gotta want it you know when it because there's nothing else there bringing in foot traffic it's not a high foot traffic area so it's you know you it's an open mic And so if you're there, you're probably being at least somewhat serious about it. So people had thoughts and feelings about the Diaz Mackey um, interview that I did. And first off, we all know I'm not Barbara Walters. I do my best while I was watching it. I saw certain things where I was like, oh, that makes more sense now. Now I get why it is that happened the way it happened or why it was I thought what I thought at that moment. And after watching it for the edit, I really understood where it was that the miscommunication was. And 
I'm thankful to Diaz for not only doing it, but for being the real him. And my friend Jen Garcia, who's Jen on the Block, is her name on YouTube if you ever want to check her out. I really like her. I really respect her because she doesn't always go with groupthink. And she commented in my YouTube comments that Diaz didn't come off as like warm and fuzzy in this interview, didn't do anything to like rehab his reputation if that's what it was supposed to do and really i wasn't looking to rehab his reputation altogether i just wanted him to be able to get his story out and for people to hopefully see what it is i see in him then i got a message from a friend of mine saying that diaz has stolen some jokes before and so how can i stand up for diaz and give him a platform when i'm against tricks stealing my joke and that seems hypocritical and you know, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've already said that I would have tricks on my podcast if he'd be open to doing it. So if I'm willing to give a platform to the person that took my jokes or tried to remix my jokes personally, then of course I would do it with Diaz. And to tell you the truth, I don't know Diaz to be a joke thief. If somebody wants to provide me with some actual receipts and proof, I'm open to that. Like I said, I'm always open to new information, but I personally haven't known Diaz to steal jokes. So... When people want me to know things that I just don't have any way of knowing, you know, for the last couple of years, I know more than anything else that Diaz hasn't been able to get up. So I don't really know where he's stealing these jokes from, who he's stealing these jokes from, or where he's performing these jokes when he steals them. So that too. But I've always been against that. I've always been against the because somebody did something else that was less than admirable than now that means that they're possibly a criminal like when it came to tj miller when that there was a woman that accused tj miller if you're not familiar tj miller is an actor on silicon valley he's done some really big things you know he was also in deadpool he's you know a great comic too he's a really funny comic but um he had a hiccup in his career a couple years back when a girl from his college years had accused him of physically assaulting her. I think it was punching her or slapping her. And that turned out to be like she had been stalking him back in their college years and she was obsessive, it seemed like. And there had been that had been recorded. And when I say recorded, I have to be, you know, careful about that use because today it means something than it did back then, you know, uh, when that stuff happened in his college years. He had reported it in some way, and so there was some trail of it. But a lot of people were anxious to jump on that bandwagon, and it was because they didn't like T.J. Miller as a person. So I even saw one guy comment at a point that at some time, T.J. Miller had skipped him because T.J. Miller smokes a lot of weed, or at least he did. I don't know if he still does. But T.J. Miller had skipped him in the rotation when it came to weed. So, of course, that means T.J. Miller is punching women because he... That's something that people do with me, too. You know, they'll be like, I got an argument with him once. And so, of course, he's in the wrong with everything he ever said. And I'm just like, okay, well, if that's what you want to believe, then believe that. I don't care either way when people feel a particular way about me. Because nobody that knows me feels the way that the people that disparage me feel or the things that they put on me are never accurate. So 
I can honestly say that that's not something that really occupies my mind in any real way. Of course, every once in a while I am told something that somebody said about me or I'll accidentally stumble on something that somebody said about me. But I'm working on so many things right now that I don't have time to give energy to any of that. What people don't get about me and the quote unquote drama is I'll entertain it here and there when I don't have anything else that I'm really doing. If you think about the time that I was going through it with these people, whether it's Jimmy Kimmel's sister or Tricks or whoever it might have been on those particular Bobby Wayne and Crystal, who I said I wouldn't mention their names anymore. But I'm going to go on record here and say I've taken that back. I'm going to use whoever's name I have to use to get these stories across. And when I have guests on, which I have Cody Woods coming up, and I don't think we disparaged anybody at all. Maybe I did at some point, but... Cody is so funny and so talented and we recorded an episode a couple weeks back and the thing that has slowed me down when it comes to those is combining the audio with the video is well after I stumbled on to the way to do it last week it was actually pretty easy and that's where I've got to fight my old man thinking and being like these kids and their new fangle you know like you don't want to adapt to what it is that's new I've been doing everything on iMovie this long and so you know switching over to Final Cut which is a different editing software is not something that I was being receptive to and Chris Doran was helping me with that for a while but now Chris Doran is doing daddy stuff and he's got to take care of that and his family so he doesn't have time and really I like the way that things are turning out because sometimes things seem a little frustrating in the moment when you know maybe somebody's not able to do something for you the way that they thought they were going to or the way that you thought they were going to but as soon as you figure that out it's such a weight off your shoulders because you feel like okay this is another thing that I can handle myself so I don't hold hard feelings about any of that stuff uh, yeah I get a little frustrated in the moment like I said when I'm trying to figure it out and I'm like ah I thought I had somebody that was doing this for me but at the end of the day the more skills that I can ad- adopt and the more I can or the less I can rely on other people or the less I have to rely on other people the better off I'll be and that's really the way I feel at this point my days need to get longer but also I can honestly say I've been being pretty productive there's a lot of people that think I have help with all this stuff that I'm doing just because sometimes I will turn out a bunch of stuff like that week where I did three videos or if you think about other times when I've done you know, a full 30 days worth of videos. And granted, I'm not pretending to be the best at all of it. I'm not pretending that it all looks like it was professionally done. But every time you do it, you get a little bit better. And that's what I think a lot of people forget is they get caught up in just the frustration. And I will definitely go through those periods where I am caught up in the frustration. But when it comes down to it, I don't concentrate on that because what I have to do is just continue to move forward. And it's kind of like that fuck you pay me mentality except for I am the guy saying fuck you pay me to myself I always used to joke that I had Ike and Tina in the same body when it came to doing stand-up because if you remember what's love got to do it do with it or if you've read the book what's love got to do with it we all know I don't read okay I admit I read confessions of a video vixen I read Faith Hill's book. I don't remember what it was called. I read Tracy Lord's autobiography. 
Uh, I'm an autobiography biography guy. If uh, science science fiction or any of that stuff, if I can't actually see it happening in real life, then I have no interest in reading it or paying attention to it. And that's just the way I am. So if you're a science fiction fan, nothing against you. No tea, no shade, as the kids would say. But it's just not what's popping off in this neck of the woods. But anyway, each skill that I develop, I get more and more self-reliant and I feel much better about everything because I feel like, oh, this is actually within my control. I don't have to count on somebody else to get this done for me and it'll be done when I'm done with it. And when it came to the Diaz thing, I did a minimal amount of editing because I felt like I didn't want to at any point, when you edit stuff, you really see how a lot can be played with in the editing process and how you can make it seem like a narrative is a different way than it is. And I wanted to keep that conversation as authentic as it possibly could be. I, When it came to, obviously, editing in the prefix or preamble or whatever you would call that, but when I did that, that was me by myself, so I had to add that on. And then there were, like, two things that I had to like snatch out from that video and it was there was a couple different reasons and they were all for the bet like in my opinion it's kind of like if we're talking about a particular thing and we're going a particular way then I kind of didn't want to deviate and towards the end we really did but I thought that was very productive too because we were talking about how sometimes people just leave you out there and you think that you're friends with these people and you think that they're going to have your back and then they don't and it's nothing to feel particularly victimized about and I like that Diaz goes at things like that too because it doesn't have to be a whole thing all right sorry about that I had to take a break to go to sleep because I was yawning through the first part and I was like I do not want to be that guy again you guys know I've talked about it before sometimes I yawn like crazy while I'm doing my podcast and I didn't want to do that right now I'm laying on Snoopy Michu. She refuses to get up and I have my pillow here, which is technically her pillow. She commandeered it at a point. So when we just went for our walk because I ended up waking up at 7 a.m. I fell asleep last night at 11 and I felt really good about that, you know, because I've told you guys before, sometimes I have trouble sleeping at night and my, my sleep schedule gets messed up and it's not like I don't sleep. I just end up going to sleep at like 10 in the morning and then I wake up at 5 p.m. and then my whole day is thrown off and I've learned to really work around that because I just refuse to accept that that's a bad thing. I feel like as long as I'm productive in the hours that I'm awake, then everything's great. And so I went ahead and, uh, you know, woke up at 7 a.m., went to the gym, walked Snoopy Bijou, stopped by Walgreens real quick. I'm going out of town this weekend. I'm going to be at the El Paso comic strip. So... I had to get ready for that. I have an, a meeting tonight, which, you know, I've been doing a lot on the business side of comedy, which I'm it, I'm trying not to jinx it, but it looks like something that I've really been wanting for a long time is on the verge of happening. Not the special I was talking about recording. That is still going to happen, but, you know, that's a process too. And so doing everything at once, and also I'm working with some other comedians on some other stuff, and I'm really happy about the way things are going right now. That's why I refuse to let anything get me down. I'm going to start doing the video versions even when I'm solo on Unbothered because even though I like the laying on the couch vibe, like right now I'm very comfortable laying on Snoopy Bijou. I don't know how she feels about it. I'd imagine she's all right, 
But really, this dog is more about winning than anything else. You know, she doesn't really care about comfort. She's like, I came to win. I didn't come to make friends. I ain't, I ain't here to be your girl like that, huh, beige? But so I'm laying on her while she's laying on top of my pillow. And that's just what it is right now. But yeah, I'm a, it, like I said, I'm not trying to jinx it, but it's something I've been wanting for a long time might end up happening. Uh, it looks like it's going to happen. Well, one way or another, it's going to happen. I'm just hoping that it happens with this particular situation exactly the way that I want it to happen, because that would be a true dream come true. And I will make the announcement here and on social media, of course, as soon as it happens, you know, and so like, you know, I've got a meeting that I've got to go to tonight and that should be fun and good. And I, you know, I really like working with the people that I'm working with right now, you know, and like even the people that I'm passively working with, like when I talk about Carla's homemade salsa, like I really like Carla. I really like the person that she is. And so, you know, when I see her, we get to chat, we talk. She's Latina. I'm Latino, obviously. So, you know, and I do care about that, you know, like I do care about Latino owned and operated businesses and some people would say that you're not supposed to worry about that like I'll tell you the truth about me when it comes to Latino owned and operated if it's not a good business or if they don't keep their word or do what they're supposed to do I won't support them just because they're Latino but if I can help a Latino business that's actually doing things the right way I'm definitely helping them out before I help anybody else it's just the way that I work when it comes to my friends though my friends tend to be a lot of I want to say a lot of white people is what I hang out with in regular life but you know I I don't care about that in the way that you know like like for me that isn't like really a thing you know like I've been you know uh what am I trying to say here I've been given a hard time sometimes by other Latinos for how many white people I hang out with but a lot of times when I hang out with Latinos it's a bunch of bullshit like Latinos are stuck in this and it's grow it's changing so I'm not gonna say that it's not changing but for a long time Latinos had this thing where they always felt like competing with each other. It was like uh, George Lopez talked about it in his book. When I was first starting to do stand up, I read George Lopez's book, which is called Why Are You Crying? I can see it right now. One day I'm going to have him sign it. But uh, I, I read his book and he talks about the crabs in the barrel syndrome. Like that's what Latinos tend to suffer from. And it's true. It's like people think that, you know, there can only be one like it's like a comedy highlander you know so if you hang out with the other latino comics they think because felipe esparza is at the top or um gabriel iglesias is at the top or george lopez but that right there should tell you that there's not only room for one because i just named three and if you think about you know the latino comics that are actually working i work with steve trevino steve steve trevino is latino uh alex ramundo has a great career He's Latino. There's plenty of room for everybody. So when you're dealing with people that maybe think that, you know, it, it like you have to be competitive with each other, it just doesn't make sense to me at all. There was one particular Latino comic that I got tipped off by a friend of mine who books some pretty big stuff that this Latino comic had sent out an email saying these are the comedians that have worked your club that um, I'm funnier than. 
And I was on that list. And me and that comedian have always been friends and he's always been complimentary to me face to face. And because, you know, I don't want to get my friend in trouble or seem at all unprofessional. I don't think he could get in trouble for telling me that because it was just a shitty thing to do, you know, as far as the other comic goes. But I wouldn't ever say anything to him because it's not that big of a deal. But it did change the way that I look at that particular comedian because it's like we've always been cool. We've always been nice to each other. I've always thought you were funny. I know you think I'm funny or you've noticed the audiences think I'm funny. So I don't really know why we would have to fight about that or why that would be an actual thing between the two of us. I don't do that with other comedians when it comes to like other working comedians. I'm not that guy that's like, you know, I'm funnier than so and so. So I don't know why they're working. No, you keep them on the schedule and you put me on the schedule, too. If they're funny, I'm funny, then I don't see what the problem is. Sometimes I feel that way with people that aren't really that funny that work. I do sometimes feel like, okay, why is that person still on the schedule? That person doesn't please audiences even. And it, it like for me, comedy isn't about me and who I think is funny. Comedy for me is about what the audience thinks is funny. Like when it comes to me and when I'm booking stuff, I'll book people that I don't necessarily think are the funniest but I know that they really do please audiences. So it's not really just about, you know, there are certain things that I don't respect when it comes to comedy. Like, you know, uh, if you're really just playing to a stereotype, I'm not down for that. Like, to me, that's not very creative. Right now, there's a situation going on in stand-up where, oh, before I mention the situation going on, going on in stand-up, I want to mention to you guys, um, when I talk about different things and like, you know, Latino businesses, if they're doing things the right way, then I'll definitely support them. That's a part of the reason for anybody that's wondered why I haven't done the Patreon yet that I haven't done the Patreon because I really haven't figured out what it is I'm going to offer you guys that I'm not already doing for you. And if you know anything about the way things work for me, people will send me money on Venmo and Cash App every once in a while here and there. Uh, Venmo, Ty Rivera dash comedy, cash app Ty Rivera. If anybody wants to send, send. If not, don't. But the thing is, I feel like right now I don't really know what I can offer anybody outside of what I'm already doing, especially with another project in the works and shooting a special. I don't know that I can offer consistently doing an extra episode or two extra episodes or interacting more right now. The way that my DMs blow up and not just in the because every once in a while I get somebody trying to like hook up or that kind of thing, you know, and that's cute or whatever. But really, I get a lot of DMs from comedy fans. If you think about it, when you put up a Instagram story or, a you know, and that feeds to your Facebook story and then there's Twitter and then there's, um, you know, email, there's everything, you know, there's people that are hitting you up all the time. And so, and I don't mind, it's not a complaint, but sometimes I do get kind of backlogged there. Like if you've emailed me, you know, sometimes it takes me or, you know, messaged me on any platform, you know, sometimes it takes me a little bit to get back to you. Then there's the public responses, you know, the comments and dealing with that kind of stuff. And I do feel like it's important to at least try to respond to everybody, at least like stuff when people respond to you. Because if these people take time out of their day 
to actually like you know acknowledge that I posted something or they thought something I shared was funny or any of that stuff I do feel like I owe some kind of response you know whether that's sometimes it does have to be fast like it's just liking stuff I do get super busy sometimes with everything that I'm doing and like I mentioned earlier it is me doing everything myself and again that's not a complaint either but when it's all you doing everything for yourself and not only the social media part of your life, but the regular part of life, which for anybody that knows me, you know that I'm, why is my YouTube playing out of nowhere? That was annoying. You know what? I, that YouTube premium just offered itself to me and somehow it was one of those things where once you log in it just automatically and i need to disable that because my youtube turns on at times that i don't need it to turn on and i don't need to pay for something like youtube i watch youtube for free i don't care anyway what i was trying to get at is if i'm not going to be able to give you guys a good experience then i'm not going to do something like patreon right now because I feel like I would rather keep my reputation where it's at and you know if you've dealt with anything that I deal with you know anything that I promote which thank God for you guys because the things that I promoted have actually been doing really well you know when it comes to chanclas we get better turnouts every week and last week was amazing last week was also Cinco de Mayo but last week was amazing the week before that was amazing and each week our crowds grow over at chanclas chanclas is a place that I really do believe in Latino owned and operated you know and so with my reputation being what it is and me being able to tell people come to this show it's going to be a quality show or come experience this it's going to be a quality experience or you know Car carlos homemade salsa is great salsa it's so good and it's all natural you know and so like for me i don't want to attach myself to something that could possibly make me a couple extra dollars but then is going to hurt my reputation because people feel cheated by what it is I did. And then from that point on, your reputation is sullied and you're the one that did it. You're responsible for it because you decided to bite off more than you can chew. You decided to offer people something that you can't deliver on. So I don't want to be that guy. And I, that's why, you know, for right now, I know I mentioned the Patreon, but I also tell you guys all the time, I always remind you guys, I can change my mind anytime I want to. And I'm 100% right or 100% all right with that because what does it matter? You know, I mean, like, is anybody mad at me right now because I'm not giving you another way to spend money on me? To me, that doesn't make sense. If anybody feels any kind of feelings about that, you just hit my Venmo, tyravera-comedy or my cash app, Ty Rivera, and you can find a way to spend money on me there. Or you can get some whimsies in the Amazon link, or you can go to Carla's Homemade Salsa and pick something up from them. There are ways that you can support me if you want to support me, and I appreciate that as much as anything else, you know, but also if you're like, you know, I know we're all coming out of a shutdown. So that's the other thing to try to ask people for more money when there are so many things, you know, there's the Patreons people support, which I know plenty of the people that I deal with support different people's Patreons. There's the only fans that people support, which 
Shout out to all my friends that are running their OnlyFans and shout out to the people that are supporting those OnlyFans. I know sometimes people clown about that, but to me, that's also if if a person's offering you quality and you're even say if it's a porn OnlyFans, because now OnlyFans is turning into more than just being porn. But even if it's a porn OnlyFans, as long as they're providing you with pictures and videos that you actually enjoy watching, then I say more power to you and more power to them. More power to you for actually spending your money on something that you consider a valid form of entertainment and more power to them for being able to make money off of putting out that kind of content. I don't judge what kind of content people put out. As long as the other person, the person that's paying for it, feels like they're getting their money's worth, then who am I to judge that? That's not the way I come at life at all. Like, you know, if anybody feels any way about the things that I promote or that I support, then don't listen to my podcast anymore. Don't pay attention to what it is I'm doing. I don't know how that's an actual thing for people when they're like, I just hate that they shout this out. Well, then don't listen to it. I mean, like I put these out and I've been very fortunate in the way that things have played out for me in bringing my podcast back. I decided to make it so that the new episodes only stream or only play on YouTube for right now. And then the SoundCloud, which is what feeds the iTunes or Apple podcast and, you know, Stitcher, all that stuff that all comes from, um, uh, SoundCloud. And so when I upload those, they're usually a couple of weeks behind. But I've decided that I'm not going to do that anymore. Right now, I'm trying to get everything caught up, but I'm also trying not to bombard everybody with a bunch of because I do still have a fair amount of listeners that just listen to the audio. So and don't go to YouTube. They're not my YouTube, you know, fans, but I'm not going to punish people for that. And it wasn't meant as a punishment anyway. The thing I wanted to do was to get everybody from there to migrate over to YouTube. But then I realized that there's certain people that just like to listen to the audio like that, you know, so on Apple podcast is the most popular. I'll tell you that, uh, you know, as far as what people like to listen to on um you know or the audio only version on and so i'm not going to keep doing it that way because i feel like i've had really great migration and during this time you can check my youtube numbers for yourself but if you noticed in the last two months or whatever i've doubled the amount of regular watchers i get regular viewers on the podcast version, which I've discussed that before too. Like if I want to get more views, I know that I can talk about popular topics and then, you know, like that'll be it. But this is people listening to me talk about myself when I'm on Unbothered. You can hear, obviously, this is what I do. And then I do interviews with the local comics people that, and I'm going to start doing, it's not just local comics. Cause like I said, I have the one coming out with Cody Woods and Cody Woods lives in LA and he's very funny very talented I talked about him not too long ago and he had a video blow up on YouTube and it was for the Laugh Factory chocolate Sundays and it was you know great to see and now that video has reached two million it reached one million right away and then a bunch of people went to go check out his personal YouTube because that was on the chocolate Sundays channel and so um 
the way that that played out was really inspiring to watch. And so I talked to Cody and we did an interview and I plan to do more of those interviews. I want to have Claire Hawley on because I really like, like I said, not only do I think she's funny and talented, but she's just an interesting person and really cool to chat with. And she's only 22 and I know I'm older, you know, 25. So I've got three years on her and I'm going to try to avoid talking down to her and giving her my wisdom as a 25 year old man talking to a 22 year old nubile young lady. But uh, I think that that'll be a fun conversation and a fun interview. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like this is the way that this particular part is growing. And I'm very happy with that. Like I said, I will start putting out more of the hot topic videos. But, you know, I, I, I did the one with Bill Burr uh, or the one about Bill Burr, you know, when he got in trouble for saying the lady's name wrong or they were trying to make it seem like he got in trouble for saying the lady's name wrong. Right now, Tony Hinchcliffe is going through a thing, which if you're not familiar with Tony Hinchcliffe, Tony Hinchcliffe is in charge of the or the host of the the star of the Kill Tony podcast. And he said some stuff that's quote unquote racist, you know, um, to an Asian comedian while he was on stage. But if you know Tony and you know Kill Tony, that show is very politically incorrect. Tony is a roast writer. He's written for a lot of the Comedy Central roast, pretty much all of the Comedy Central roast for probably the last 10 years, I want to say. He's one of the main writers for the Comedy Central roast, which if you're familiar with roast writing, a lot of times that is to do with race. But Tony also used to watch WWF when he was a kid, or maybe it was a WWE by that time. I don't know Tony's age exactly, and I don't care. Um, but, you know, he also will do this wrestling persona, you know, pro wrestler. And you could tell he was doing that in his voice. If you've ever spoken with Tony, which I have, I've known Tony since he was first starting out in comedy. I've known Tony since he was working the box office for the comedy store, you know, answering the phones during the day. I don't think he worked box office officially. I think he was just answering the phone during the days. And I always remember, you know, like one time asking him about that when he was still working there, you know, he was a kid and he was like, yeah, you work for Dick 50, but I get to watch great comics and I get to learn and, you know, and he's referenced me on the Kill Tony podcast before. And, I, you know, I we we've talked in the back, you know, because like I said, I've known him since he was first starting out. So a lot of times when you know comics like that and you know what they're like, it's like that's not his real voice that he was doing on stage at that time. So I don't know why anybody's so offended about that or so worried about that. But that's what he was giving you at that point wasn't the real Tony. And so it was him being fun. And now, you know, this Asian comedian that it was directed towards, which it wasn't even like it's just a fun target, you know, and I don't mean the Asian guy being a fun target. It's just that person, that comedian was a fun target for Tony to do a little bit of roasting on and do what he does. And that comedian, it took him four days to decide he was offended about it, which to me is a clout chase. You know, like when it takes you that long and you take pictures with Brian Redband because Brian Redband is one of the producers of the Kill Tony show. He actually, Brian Redband, 
helped a lot of people start their podcasts. Joe Rogan, like Brian Redband, was a part of the Joe Rogan podcast, you know, getting that started, getting that off the ground. I think he even used to book the guest for a long time. But Redband is another person that I've been friends with for quite a while now. And so when you take a happy picture with Brian Redband right after you supposedly got traumatized or on the night you got traumatized and then you post that to Facebook and then four days later you decided this is Asian hate. It's like, come on. And I would tell you guys what Tony said. Well, he said the C word, you know, which is, you know, I... uh, like the only reason I care because I would just say it is because I know that it can be reported as hate speech on YouTube. But watch the video, you know, and you'll see it's not that big of a deal. I'm so tired of people making these things such a big deal when it comes to stand up comedy, because when it comes to on stage, Yeah, if Tony had said this to the guy in the green room, you know, decided to give him a dressing down of sorts in the green room, then I could understand the guy being like, yeah, that was racist and it was rude. But when it's happening on stage, it's all part of the performance. I've always said that about people, even when it comes to myself. Like, I will shit on the DJ of almost every place I perform. It's just a regular thing I do. Once I get on stage, I'm always like, why'd you pick that song? Even if I like the song, a lot of times I'll do that. And it's just to play with the, you know, and it's not every night or every show I do it, but it happens enough. And every DJ that I've ever done it with has been a good sport about it, except for one. There was one in, like, bumfuck Washington that got like, man, you're always giving me a hard time. And I was like, all right, well, I don't know what you really want from me right now because I was just being stupid. You know, I am i don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a comedian. So, you know, it's just part of the act. You know, every night at Chancla's, every Wednesday night, 9 p.m., 9.30, let's not waste each other's time. It just says 9 p.m. on the flyer because there's a lot of people of color that go there and people of color are always going to be late. And when I say people of color, I mean Latino and black specifically. We're always late. It's what it is. But um, when it comes to that, you know what I mean? It's whatever. Uh, but, you know, uh, I always bust Bruce. Bruce Purcell is the name of the... DJ at Chanclas and I always bust his balls and he knows I'm going to do it every single time and sometimes he'll even play music specifically designed to kind of quote unquote get on my nerves but I don't care about that sometimes I'll bust the um the host balls a little bit if they announce like just over the weekend I was in Wichita Kansas shout out to Wichita Kansas the loony bin in Wichita Kansas Mr. Biggs and Wiz Wiz is the bartender at um, Looney Bin and every time you go there on Friday he hooks it up with uh, barbecue because he works for this place he moonlights at the comedy club but in the day he um, is one of the cooks I think or you know he's a kitchen guy I don't know exactly what you would call it and um, at this barbecue spot called Pig In Pig Out and you always get to get loaded up on barbecue and I don't care if it's a cheat day or not because Friday is not a cheat day. I will always have some food at Pig and Pig Out when I get the opportunity. And so, um, but yeah, I was there and there was a really funny host. His name was T. Ray Sanders. He's from Atlanta. He's black. It sounds like I'm giving him a bio right now, but he was really funny, but he kept 
announcing me or introducing me as being from Los Angeles, you know, as living in Los Angeles. And we all know I don't currently live in Los Angeles. And so on the last show, I busted his balls about it. And I even said something like, you know, um, make sure you support buy his DVD because he ain't shit as a host. And he was laughing, you know, and like, that's what it is. You know, it's not meant to be serious on any level. So, you know, I, I just don't understand what this kid is trying to do right now other than clout chase. It's an obvious clout chase, which if you're not familiar with what clout chasing is, you know, it's just trying to make yourself popular by starting a fight with somebody or starting some. I have a fair amount of clout chasers. It's But for me, you know, in that way... <laughs> I that way it's it's like for me it's fun because it's just shouting you out and that's something that I've been very public about when it comes to Tony Hinchcliffe because 100% in this whole situation and I'm going to be very clear about it I'm probably not going to make a special video about it but I am 100% team Tony Hinchcliffe on this you know I am 100% him and I let it be known that to me this is just adding to his legend like let these people say everything that they want to say about you you're racist you're whatever else because your real fans know that you have helped plenty of people of color out and don't worry about this don't worry about this clout chase don't worry about this kid I really do hope that people in the comedy community shun this kid just because I think it's such a shitty thing to do to make it seem like you were so offended by this and it's now falls under Asian hate. Well, Asian hate is just a popular thing to talk about right now. So I get it. You want to ride that horse, ride that horse. But don't act like actual comics have your back on this because we really don't. No real comic really feels like this needs to be a thing. Like I said, if it happened in the green room, if it happened off stage and he had said some racist stuff to you, truly racist stuff to you, Fine. But the stuff he was saying on stage from what I heard was in reference to your set and what it is you were doing. And I also heard from another very reliable friend of my, mine that you do hacky stuff anyway, like hacky Asian stuff. And that's what Tony was kind of ribbing you about when he got on stage. That's what I was told. But the clip that they're playing is like a maybe a 15 second clip. It's a really short clip and everything is taken out of context. So I, you know, I personally, Team Tony, 100%, don't feel any other way about it. What else do I want to talk to you guys about? Dylan Collins, uh, which is, he's a botherina. Oh, and what I was getting to with the, let me wrap this up, this part up real quick. What I was getting to with the, um, me and my, the audio version, the audio only version, I'm going to have that start running concurrent with the um, YouTube because I realize, like I said, some of you like just listening to the audio and you guys deserve to be just as well-informed or up-to-date as the people that watch on YouTube. And really, maybe even more so because a lot of you, a lot of you transferred over, so thank you. I'm not trying to say that you guys aren't the ones that watch the YouTube. I'm not saying that you're not bottom floor bothering us because a lot of you really are but if you know anything about unbothered I 
think it started in 2015. It might have been 2016. I don't remember. Zach Elk set it up for me, and I was smoking a lot of weed at that time, which I have gone to being sober now. But anyway, a lot of you guys are my bottom floor botherinas, and so I'm sorry that I ran it this way for a while. I'm not really sorry because I think it was very beneficial, but I will put an apology out there and say that I'm going to get you guys caught up so that you guys will be you guys will hear this in about three weeks. <laughs> you guys will hear this apology in about three weeks. <laughs> I, I think that's how long it's going to take for me to get them fully, fully caught up or no, I'll, I'll do it faster than that. But yes, it will be where everything runs concurrent. And, you know, and thank you for supporting for this long. I appreciate you guys more than you know. And um, but yeah, Dylan Collins, who I don't know if he identifies as a botherina. Maybe I'll put him on the spot and ask him. Either way, he listens to Unbothered regularly, watches it on YouTube. And I don't know. I'm going to talk to him about this. I'm going to find out. So be prepared, Dylan, because um, I want to find out where he actually first heard about me. It might have been just from me being com doing comedy. It might have been from us having mutual friends. He's doing comedy in Chico, I believe, is specifically where he is, which my good friend DNA has DNA's comedy lab over in Chico. I believe that's Chico, right? Yeah. I think that's Chico. Don't get mad at me, anybody. If it's not Chico, that I know Dylan Collins is in Chico, but I don't. I'm saying Chico a lot, and it's getting on my nerves. But anyway, um, Dylan Collins is a young comic in Chico, and he's doing a lot of stuff. Like that kid is motivated, and he came out to do Tom Bomb's 420 Comedy Festival a couple weeks back. 420. Figure out what week it happened. But anyway, um, he did co Tom. Co Tom Bomb's 420 Comedy Festival um, a couple weeks back. And so that was the first time I met him in real life after talking to him online, you know, and him watching my stuff and me checking out his stuff, too, because he has a podcast, too. I think he calls it The Real Dill, spelled D-I-L-L, because, um, you know, his name's Dylan Collins. And so The Real Dill. If you guys want to check that out on YouTube. And if it's not the real deal, don't get mad at me, Dylan. But anyway, on the um, podcast, when he's on as a guest, I want to find out from him where he first heard about me. And also just talk to him because he's so motivated. What I was saying about him coming out that particular week for the comedy festival was like a lot of my friends were impressed by him because he's there wasn't much of a scene in Chico and he's been really building that. DNA has been working on that for a long time, too. So I'm not trying to at all shade DNA or pretend that he didn't do as much for the scene as he did because he had like the Chico Comedy Festival and stuff like that. So I'm not at all trying to discredit DNA. DNA has been a little bit of a godfather for that comedy scene. But Dylan is a young kid. And a lot of times the young kids aren't really motivated like that, you know, especially in this generation, not to sound old and be like, this generation doesn't. But, you know, I mean, like, you know what it's like. I don't have to tell you guys. I think most of my listeners are, you know, around my age, which 25, you know what it's like, you know, you know what we go through, but <laughs> watching the youngsters, but you know, if you're around my age, you know that a lot of times the younger generation isn't the most self-starting at this point. So to meet a kid like Dylan and not saying kid condescendingly, but 
you know, compared to me, he's a kid, um, to meet a kid like Dylan and see what it is he's trying to do over there and what it is he's actually making happen. And then some of the drama that he's dealt with out there and seeing that for that from that perspective. And then, you know, him being in that area like Northern California area where people do try to be a little bit uptight sometimes when it comes to political correctness and him and his friends are not that. And it's great to see that happening and see, you know, what it is. It's exciting for me as a comic, you know, and being in it for 18 years now, I just passed my anniversary. So it's 18 years that I've been doing stand up, And so, you know, I want to talk to him, but you know, what I was trying to get at is everything's going swimmingly, ladies and gentlemen. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm excited about a lot that's going on. So I'm sorry if I'm super chatty, but it's a podcast. So if I were giving you dead air, would you like that better? Should me and Beige just sit here in silence? Beige does sit here in silence. I love this little dog so much. She had when I was in Wichita. She um, stayed with my friend Kirk and Kirk said that she was a perfect house guest and she really is. You know, she's such a good baby. He has two cats and his cats had gotten to the point towards the end where they were really like, you know, chill with her. They weren't necessarily hanging out with her, but they didn't feel at all scared of her or threatened by her. And she's really not that kind because she grew up around cats. You know, my best friend had a cat and we were always over there and her and the cat because they were the same size would wrestle all the time and that's really cute to me you know if you've ever seen dogs and cats play watching a cat like slap your dog and not use like the cats will retract their claws you know so that they give them just a a regular slap or swat them instead of like scratching them and watching that happen is very cute to me even though Did I tell you guys? I don't remember if I told you. One of the last times I was in Phoenix uh, hanging out for the weekend, I got mad at my parents' cat because, well, it's actually my nephew's cat because the cat scratched my little bijou, which bijou will run up on a cat, but she's not at all. And I know the cat doesn't know, and I know they're not, I know they're animals. So it's not like I had any retaliation towards the cat or anything like that. It was just one of those things where I was like, oh, but I originally got mad at bijou because, you know, I didn't know what had happened. I just heard all of a sudden the cat went crazy. And then, you know, bijou, I heard bijou yelp. And then I, of course, you know, was getting ready in the bathroom. I say, of course, like you guys should just know that. And like, I'm always getting ready in the bathroom. But at that point, I was getting ready in the bathroom. So I, of course, look at Bijou as my kid, you know, so it's my job to make sure that my kid is behaving. So I right away, like yelled, you know, I was like, Bijou, what are you doing? And then, um, you know, she came limping out literally like, you know, like kind of an army crawl out of the room and when I saw that I was like that's not the way my bijou regularly handles this kind of stuff you know usually she takes it on the chin and comes running out you know when the cat gets a little bit mad at her because that particular cat that cat doesn't even like people but that cat's also getting older so there's that too you know and then bijou is the same way when puppies are around she doesn't like get aggressive with them but she will growl at them and let them know like you know I'm an older woman 
stay stay out of my space and so the cat did that with Bijou but the cat scratched Bijou and she scratched her right above the eye and I was so worried about that you know but it was right above the eye on the lid and but close enough to the lid that it was like close call as far as I go and I told you guys before like Bijou goes to the vet when we have to get her shots but really I don't like anybody touching my bijou I just don't you know I handle doing her nails I express her glands I give her baths I do everything for bijou because I don't know how rough anybody else is going to be with my dog and I'm really not down with that and the idea of me leaving her anywhere is not comforting comforting me comforting to me even a little bit like when it um, came to you know there was that time I don't know if any of you guys remember it, but it was a couple years back. It had to be 2018 when a dog walked up to Bijou, a big dog. And, you know, we go to the dog park, but this wasn't a dog park. It was a dog across the street. But, you know, we go to the dog park, park so I'm very used to being, Bijou being around big dogs. And it's not something that scares me or, you know, I'm just like they're dogs they're cool and you know most dogs are cool and this dog was hanging out in the neighbor across the street from where I was living was hanging out in the front yard so I assumed the dog was well trained well behaved you know and they let the dog come across the street which apparently they weren't paying attention that's why the dog came across the street and they didn't know that was going on I thought they had seen that and so this dog I have Bijou on her leash at that point because we were getting ready to go for our walk and this dog was a big dog, you know, probably a German Shepherd mix. And I'm not exaggerating that it had to be like a German Shepherd mix. And then it came down like at Bijou. And then Bijou did her little growl because the dog did get in her space. And um, then the dog went to bite Bijou and I pulled her back. But anyway, um, I didn't pull her back fast enough because I thought, you know, they're they're cool. This is what they do. This is how dogs get to know each other. Like I said, I've seen Bijou get to know so many dogs. So for me, that wasn't a thing. In case anybody's wondering, she's still laying under my head right now. And I know my head has to be heavy. But like I said, this dog's all about winning. So um, that dog bit Bijou. And fortunately, the owners paid for it. It didn't turn into like a lawsuit or having to do anything like that. But... I did have to take Bijou to the vet so that she could get a stitch put in her. Oh, it was so stressful. You know, they really are like your babies in that way. Like, I'm not one of those people that thinks like having a dog is just as hard as having a baby or I'm just like any other parent. No, there is a difference. And I get that. But at the same time, you know, when it comes to the way that you react when something bad happens to your dog, it really does hurt you. And so, um, you know, me having to take her there to get stitched, that sucked, you know. And then the when they took her stitch out, they were like, we need to take her to the back. And I wasn't able to be there for that. You know, like they had to take her to the back and take it out. And I heard her yelp and I just wanted to punch that guy when he brought her back out. I felt like you hurt my fucking dog. But I know that it's just them taking it out you know like that's what they had to do and the dog's gonna yelp and that's what it is you know but it's you know it's just my point is I don't like giving up my bijou to anybody where she's out of my sight when she has to be babysat I don't worry about that because you know I only pick people that I know are gonna be good to her and I know like her or you know are gonna get to like her because like with Kirk it was 
I took her over there to meet him a little bit earlier just so she, well really to meet his pets you know to meet his cats and see how that was going to go down because I didn't want to leave him with the headache Anthony Victorson watched my bijou for me but Anthony Victorson's cats don't like not don't like dogs in the way that they're aggressive but they're just going to hide all day and so that made you know I don't want my bijou to make my friend's pets uncomfortable because like I said I know it's the same way like for Anthony and Anthony was very cool he watched her for two weekends I believe it was and it was like two weekends back to back if I remember correctly um and I was on the road obviously or else I wouldn't leave Bijou anywhere but um I just didn't want you know, I'm sure if I were to hit him up, he and it was a last, you know, last resort type of thing, he would do it still. But I don't want his pets to feel uncomfortable because they're like his kids, you know, they're so he doesn't want. And even if he'll be nice and do it for me, I know that it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for him just because, you know, you get what I'm saying. So anyway. This is where we're at in life. You know, I, I'm an old lady. I talk about my dog all day. And it's it's what my life is. I, to get to the sobriety thing, I'm probably eight or nine days in now. And I could be wrong on that. What are we at? I don't know. Yeah, probably eight or nine days now that I think about it. Because um, I think last monday or tuesday i'll let you guys know on the next episode i don't have my calendar with me and i wrote down day one in my calendar because when i do 90 days it's going to be an honest 90 days and obviously i'm getting back on my eating plan full on like every time i tell you guys i'm getting better about that again i'm getting better about that like i know me and i know what i'm like when i actually kick it into gear that's why when it was taking me a while to actually go back to sobriety, I was like, once I get there, I'm going to be there. So it is what it is. Like, you know, I'll let myself lag for as long as I want because I do keep an eye on the clock, if you know what I'm saying. Like as far as, okay, the, this is the way I have to get things done. This is the schedule I need to be on. I need to be sober by this day. I need to be sober all through this particular period. And then when it comes to like my eating plan, it's like, all right, it, the truth about me is I don't like being in the water before July. Like, I can be by a pool. I'll put my feet in the pool, my legs, you know, but, uh, you know, sitting on the side of the pool. But I will not go swimming until July. So I don't have to be in actual summer body shape until July. And I know that gay prides happen in June, but... Lucky for us, we're just coming out of a pandemic, so that's not really a thing right now. Anyway, you guys, this has been an absolutely lovely chat, and I would love to bend your ear for even longer, but we have an agreement between us. You know the deal. I know the deal. We do it for about an hour. There wasn't much for me to get unbothered about. I'm in a good place in my life. I know sometimes people would like for me to harp on the negative. And I know that sometimes that'll get me more viewers, more listeners. And I'm down for it a lot of times. But right now I'm in such a good space. For anybody that thinks that I may be concerned with any of the people that I've gotten into it with in the recent past, not so much. I mean, like, I make them uncomfortable when I'm around, but... When the truth shows up, the lies scatter. So that's what happens there. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, stay unbothered.